PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining and supporting the weekly PDPW podcast. You know, one word that is being used a lot lately these days is transition, something we're all facing because of the global pandemic. As we hear from Tom Thibodeau, this life transition is also changing us in the process. And Tom shares three important actions that will help us get us through the next phase. Here's Tom with this week's episode, Life in Transition. For the last six months, this boomer has now become a Zoomer. And I find myself talking to groups across the country. And one question I ask everyone that I talk to these days is, um, give me three adjectives that would describe how you're feeling. And the words that come back are almost consistent. Overwhelmed, exhausted, restless anxious, tired, sad, depressed, irritated, frustrated. Every once in a while I get a hopeful or a grateful. But people are generally being honest. This has been difficult as we are all moving through a transition, not only in our own local locales, not only in our own families, not only in the country, but, but globally the whole world has been affected by by the virus, and so it's been a real disruption. Now, we were used to the term disruption when it started to talk about different industries as to what was taking place, but now we begin to recognize that it's more than that. It's social, it's emotional, it's psychological, dare I say spiritual. We are being, we are being changed uh, in the process. In a marvelous book called Life in Transition that was just published this summer by Bruce Feiler from the New York Times bestseller list, Bruce talks about his own life of being in transition. At age 42, he was diagnosed with a pediatric cancer, and because of that cancer, he could have uh, lost his leg. More importantly, he could have died. So he invited a group of his friends to join him, to support him, but more importantly, he said, because of this cancer, I could die. I have twin daughters who are six. Would you be willing to be their surrogate fathers? And so these men joined their friend and in support, and uh, he wrote about it, called The Council of Dads, um, that will appear as a TV show this year on NBC. And it was kind of an amazing experience. He recovered from that, but he described it as being a life quake. You know, we always talk about earthquakes as kind of shaking the ground on which we live. Well, we have these life quakes that shake the ground on which we live, and we all experience them. Um, it can be in terms of a health problem. It can be in terms of somebody moving off to college. It could be the end of a relationship. Right now, people are experiencing life quakes because they've lost their job and their income and their possibilities. A number of elderly people have experienced life quakes because the money they had saved for retirement is no longer there. All of us in different ways have life quakes. And then what he began to study is that the kind of have pileups. It's not only one at a time that oftentimes these things come in uh, groups of two or three and really begin to shake up our lives. Well, shortly after he's recovering from his cancer, he gets a call from his mother that his father had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and his father, who had been a very able and very active uh, gentleman, um, felt so despairing that he took an, made an attempt on his life. Well, he did this a number of times in the next three weeks, and Bruce was just beside himself, not knowing what he could do to help his father. Well, he just asked his dad, Dad, 
would you please tell me what it was like growing up in your home when you were a boy? I'll call you back on Monday and we'll talk about it. Well, that was on a Thursday. He calls back on Monday, and he and his father have the most incredible two-hour conversation. His father had taken the time to write notes. And so then he asked him, well, listen, next week, can you tell me about your childhood friends? And his father said yes, and they called him the next week, another two-hour conversation. Well, this went on for the next year. And his father, who suffered from, uh, from Parkinson's, has a difficult time typing, so would, would record his, his notes and then um, have them uh, transcribed. After the end of a year, he had 2,500 pages. And Bruce said, wow, if my dad has a life story like this, I would imagine everybody does. So he began a life story project, going across the country, just asking people questions about their growing up, about their childhood, about their grade school memories, what was the place it was like that they were growing up, and what was the times that were taking place. It's over 250 interviews like this to get to transcribe them and begins to recognize that everyone has had these life quakes. Everybody's had moments of transition in which their life is kind of thrown into a tizzy. He said, what's happened is that we are now at the end of a linear life. The idea that you move from one stage to the next chronologically, that one stage happens to follow the other. He said that it's not like that any longer. We start our lives are much more like order comes out of chaos, which would be the chaos theory, that no one has a perfectly smooth life or pattern. Anytime you do, you recognize that just below the surface, there's these life quakes. Well, it's just like when I'm asking these people, what are the three adjectives that describe your life? People say overwhelmed, exhausted, anxious, tired, depressed. They've been thrown into a tizzy. Their life is no longer linear or predictable. And so how do you begin to deal with this? And he begins to recognize that there's a a pattern that takes place uh, in this process. Also, we don't talk very easily about our life quakes. We don't talk about ourselves being in transition. We don't talk about ourselves in certain moments until after these last six months when we begin to realize that all of us, all of us have struggled. All of us are uncertain. He was invited back to his college um, reunion, and because he had been on TV, he had written some books, they asked him to be the moderator of a panel. And graduates came back, they brought their resumes, and these are people who had been out of college for over 20 years. And, of course, all the resumes were very impressive, filled with her successes. He stood up in front of the group, and he took the pile of resumes, and he ripped them in half and said, these are all your successes. Go tell your mothers they'll be impressed. What the rest of us are interested in, are what are your struggles? What are the things that you failed at? What are the things that keep you up in the middle of the night? And people began to honestly share. So that night, there was a tent set up. One end was the bar, the other end was food. He got himself a drink, and it took him two hours to get from a drink to get a plate of food because everywhere he stood, people would come and say, well, this happened to me, this happened to me. Everybody was given permission to talk about their struggles. And he begins to realize that this is very important in our lives. Oftentimes, in terms of some of the struggles that take place in our lives are are involuntary. They're things that happen to us. Although there are times in our life when we make changes or people pick up 
and leave a, a familiar community pickup and leave a familiar company or go on to a new adventure, if you will. This happens when people pick up and go off to college for the first time. They, they leave the security of their own home where everything was bought and paid for and they were taken care of, and they strike out on their own only to become their own person. When people join the military, oftentimes there's a voluntary life quake when people get married and move into another family or another family system, and all the things that seem to be familiar are not there any longer, and we struggle. He said there's three patterns that we go to. One is a long goodbye, two is a messy middle, and three is a new beginning. Right now, what's happening within our own country, going through this transition, we're going through a long goodbye. For the last six months, we're saying goodbye to all the things that seem to be very familiar. Who would have thought that all of us would have access to telemedicine now? Who would have thought that schools would be taught mostly online or that parents would become full-time teachers? It's a long goodbye. Work has changed for many people. What I think is read today is that 34% of the workforce will never return to an office or a familiar place that companies have moved to online. Why pay for commercial real estate when people are being very effective working from their own homes? All of us have found ourselves working as guests in our own guest bedrooms. A long goodbye, things that we could, that we could depend upon are, are no longer there. Oh, maybe except for the National Football League, but a long goodbye that our lives have changed and we're not exactly sure what they're moving toward. The next part in any kind of transition is a messy middle. You have to kind of figure it out. No one has given you a handbook for this pandemic. Every one of us has made mistakes, have had false starts. Every one of us was uncertain as to what is it we might do next, how is it we might engage other people in, in, in the work. Um, this is a messy middle, and we have to be patient with ourselves during this time. We have plenty of time for second-guessing and critiquing later, but right now we're in a messy middle. And when we finally start to come out of this, we have to have a new beginning. What is our lives going to look like? How is it we might act differently? Who are the people that have come to us now in terms of our friends and allies? How is it that we have been um, supported? We will never forget this time in our lives. In fact, these are the times in which we will be remembered at our eulogy. And people will say, well, remember the pandemic of 2020? Remember how good and kind and thoughtful and generous he was? One of the things, because I know that many of our, our listeners today are people in the agricultural community, the real heroes of the pandemic are farmers. As long as we have enough to eat, there's hope. Our farmers have gone off to their barns and off to their fields for the last six months, not exactly sure what their prices would be, what their profits margins they could count on. But here they are producing food in which we have an abundance in a world that is so very ter terribly hungry. Now, to start in terms of a new beginning, how do we begin to recognize all those people for their good, hard work? As you're going through uh, this period of transition, it's also offered a possibility. There's a way in which imagination is being renewed in so many different ways. Think of the number of people who are rediscovering their own families. Think of the number of people who are learning how to bake bread again, play a musical instrument, write poetry, and tell stories. So terribly important as we begin again that creativity, how is it that we 
now find ourselves longing to sing with other people. And people are doing that online and virtually if they cannot even gather in their churches or in public concert halls. But all this signals in terms of a, a new way of, of living and being and finding our meaning. A hundred years ago, all the meaning in our lives was given to us. If you think about it, a hundred years ago, your family would have pretty much have told you who, who you're going to marry. Your family had already decided what kind of work you would do. Your family would decide what, what religion that you were going to adopt. And your family already said, this is where you're going to live, if not provided the house. And now... All that is up for grabs. People have to choose what is their life path, what is their work going to be. For our young people today, they can have anywhere from seven to ten different careers in a lifetime because the world of work is changing so much. When we start talking about organized religion, it's coming in all kinds of different forms and different ways in which people are gathering. When you look in terms of how marriage has shifted, and change for people who enter into to marriage or people who refuse to make a commitment to marriage because living together works for them. The number of different families or step-families or different configurations of families has all changed. And in terms of place and mobility, the number of places that people are living is just extraordinary. What we see taking place right now in our whole country is a migration out of large cities into rural areas. So all this is changing. But there are three ways in which we focus on the changes in our lives, three ways that I think are, are important and helpful. The ABCs. One is agency. What are the tasks that need to be done today? What are the things that you can do? Maybe what are the things that you and only you can do or accomplish? Focus on your tasks. The sense of work is not only the money that it produces, it's the opportunity that it gives us to have a sense of competency, a sense of completion, a sense, look at what I have done. What happens if you stack wood? You look at that pile of wood, says, that wood's going to keep me warm. Look at a farmer's field, look, look what we grew this last year. Look in terms of when somebody has a business, the number of employees that we are now employing and the work that we're doing together. Work is the effort that we make the world a better place, and it all comes through our agency or the task that we complete. Second, what we're, what we focus on is who are the people that you belong to? During the pandemic, what's been very important for people is to reconnect with friends and family members. The number of families right now that are seeing each other, not just in terms of FaceTime, but on Zoom, connecting with each other through conversations and emails. People are starting to write letters and cars again, realizing that we belong to each other and that relationships are primary. For a long time, we thought we were individuals, which was also very narcissistic, only thinking about ourselves, and now we think a great deal more about our communities. It's not only who we are, it's whose we are. And finally, what's coming into purpose in the sea is what, what is what is our cause? What are the things that you and I are committed to for the long term? What is it that gives our lives purpose? So in these three ways, agency, belonging, and cause, people redefine themselves in times of turmoil and transition. And finally, what are the three things that we can do together that become very helpful during times of transition? One, storytelling. Let's remember that we all come from a line of people that survived. We all come from a line of people that survived the 1918 flu, 
the Depression, World War II, Korea. Look at all the people in our family background, the things that they've gone through. Many people can go back and trace where their ancestors came from, how they came across the sea from the Atlantic or the Pacific, or how people migrated either from Mexico or from Canada and came to this country. The research tells us that the children that are most resilient are the children who know their own family's life story well. Tell, storytelling becomes so that much more important for us because it connects us to who and whose we are. We become the stories that we tell. Second, what's important in this time of transition is to find levels of ritual. How are we coming together and to celebrate? One of the great pains in American life today is the number of people who have lost loved ones and have no way in which to acknowledge their loss, no place to grieve, no funerals, no ways in which to be consoled. So we're looking for ways in which we can come together. Think of the ritual of Thanksgiving right now. Many families wondering, will we be able to get together? I know for ourselves, it's doubtful that we'll even be able to see our small little grandchildren who are growing so fast, are so cute, and yet, because of the virus, everybody is trying to be extra protective of the elders. And finally, what is it that will help us through this time is not only in terms of our stories and our rituals and celebrations, but finally, our creativity, learning to do things that we hadn't done before, challenging ourselves to imaginative, imaginative tasks. For myself, I, I have set up a website. Um, I have videos. My daughter set up a YouTube channel for me, and I said to her, Danielle, you're a genius. And she said, no, Dad, I'm a millennial. We're going to realize that the creativity that, that is available to all of us has helped us to become lifelong learners and more engaged with each other. How can we be creative now in building community? How do we become creative now in making sure that our Earth continues to produce good food and that we protect our air and our water? How do we become creative so that we treat each other with civility and respect needed for our democracy? And finally, the last thing I, I would add, what helps us in terms of transition is contemplation. Time to be silent, to find solace in the solitude, to recover understanding of the sacred, to understand that we're part of a world much larger than ourselves that has all kinds of meaning in store for us if we only take time to pay attention. Yes, these are times of turbulence and change, but it's also a time of possibility and promise. Can we look at the tasks that we've been given to do? Can we pay attention to the people that we love? Do we understand we each have a higher purpose in serving a greater good? And are we taking time to tell the stories, find ways in which to ritualize our sorrows and our celebrations, are we taking the time to be creative, to manage name possibilities? And finally, are we taking time, contemplation, solitude, and gratitude? This is a time of transition. This is a time for immense opportunity and growth. We choose. Good work, hard work, noble work, our work. And so good to be doing this work with you. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. 
And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.